We wanted Marcia to be on the call with us today. Uh, Marcia has become a student of the business, uh, learning not only products and presentations, but more importantly, the importance of the association. Because association guys in our business, you know, when you stop and think about it, we run a virtual business out of a virtual office, and it can be real lonely out here. Marcia has been very faithful to continually reach out to Connie and I for assistance on strategizing cases, on just growing her and her business. And she was able to attend one of the uh, um, meetings in South Carolina. And we wanted her to kind of get on this morning and share a little bit about what she experienced there. Marcia, what would you say was the most important thing you got out of that meeting when you went to South Carolina? Um, I would say, number one, just being around other people who are doing what we do is just powerful because they understand your struggles, but they, they appreciate your triumphs. And so you learn so much. Even just a little nugget can make a difference. But I have to tell you, this morning, something happened to share with you. Um, I was making my dials, and... The person, it was one of my uh, brand-new leads. The person I called said, you've, you've got the wrong number. Uh, this isn't Scott or this isn't so-and-so. And so I went over it, and they had mixed up the numbers. But I talked with her, and I said, well, do you own a home? And she said, yes. And, and bottom line, I've got an appointment with her. She had a policy for mutual, but it didn't cover the whole mortgage. I checked with Equus before I undid anyone's business to see, is this an agent of ours? And they said, that person's not with us. And so I was able to get the whole mortgage covered for $2 more than the guy who'd covered for her for half. Five more years and, and double the coverage. And it was just because I didn't go, oh, I'm sorry, I've got the wrong number and hang up. <laughs> Hold on a minute. Um, that's huge. And I hope everybody is taking serious thought about what you just said because peeling back the onion, guys, we don't have to stick a, a knife into the onion to succeed. We just have to peel the onion back a little bit to find out what the needs are and what the situation is. Let me ask you this, Marcia. What kind of led you? What was the first question when she said, I have something? What was the next comment you made? We'll I, said, oh, do you, I said, do you remember who it's with? She said, I think, I, think I, I have this. And I said, well, that's good. I said, so do you remember who it's with? I said, you know, the bottom line, if we want you to have the best coverage. So if you already have it, it could confirm that. And if I have something better that's less expensive or offers more, you get to choose which is better for you. And she liked that. What a powerful statement there. And it seems so off rolling off your tongue, but that was really a powerful statement there mm -hmm. to gain uh, trust with the client and just to uncover there may be an issue here we can help. That's huge. Because <laughs> um, well, she was a woman answering the phone, and this was just a guy's name. It was Scott Pope. And so I said, Mrs. Pope, and she said, oh, I wish. <laughs> That's when I, I had the wrong one. Anyway, I had to share that with you because I was like, this is great stuff. That is great stuff. Uh, now, how did you transition? I, I think you made the comment, well, I was trying to get Scott, but do you have a mortgage? Was that how you transitioned yeah. over? I said, well, 
I asked about the address. She said, that's not me. And I said, well, you know what? God never makes mistakes. So I said, do you have a home? And she said, well, yes, I do. I said, well, then maybe I was supposed to talk to you. So I, <laughs> I just asked and, it. I said, you know. Wow. Wow. That's huge. Um, back to the meeting in South Carolina. I know there yes. were a number of people and one of the things I want to call, and Marcia and I had this conversation yesterday, what happens a lot of times when we go to the meetings, this is why if we hear something new before we implement it, we want to check with the manager uh, because a lot of times somebody will go out and they will be successful. We call them a flash in a pan in life, not just in insurance or Equus, but they're a flash in the pan and um, – you know, six weeks later, six months later, they're not even in the business, but they get on and they, they're doing something that worked for them for a short period of time. But it, uh, I think golfers are a good example of this. You know, there's the right way to swing a golf club. And uh, as Tony Bates will tell you, uh, no fingers, no problems. Um, Tony was born <laughs> without full fingers. So he has to hold the club differently than anybody else, but he's a pretty good golfer. Don't play him for money, you know, that kind of thing. However, we'll go out and sometimes we'll try something and it works for a period of time, but it's not the right theory. You know, there, there's a theoretical way of doing things, and uh, so we do want to check that. But you, you witnessed some things while you were there that seemed to be working well. Tell us about a couple of those. Um, one of the things that I liked the best was it, a, a subtle clue or cue that I could take when I'm in a home um, because some people get cautious about asking for the order. And so Jamie Trent said, this is what he does. If you've got the um, – you say to the – you've gotten down to the bottom part and you just say to them, do you have your driver's license? You just need your driver's license for this. Um, you know, to get the application going. And so the second that they reach for their wallet, their purse, turn to get out of the chair, when they make a motion, he said, without hesitation, just very casually, you just say, and which bank do you use? Now, you got to notice, I didn't say, do you have a checking account? You know, go get your check. We just said, which bank do you use? And that gets them thinking, ooh, I need to go grab that check. But it's subtle. Like, you know how Dick Awesome just gives you a couple of key words? It, it conveys a lot without being demanding or pushy. Now, what, what you're listening, Marcia described here, guys, and it's, it's very important. It, it seems like, oh, that's common sense. I don't need to pay any attention to that. That's just normal. No. What she's just ex shared with you and experienced there is – when you ask that question, you know, do you want to buy? The answer 99% of the time is going to be no. But when that comment was made um, about getting your driver's license, that's just a very subtle way of asking for the sale without asking for the sale. Mm -hmm. Because, for example, one of the things that I used, and Marsh and I talked about this yesterday, as I'm going through everything, I would look at them and I'd say, John and Mary, God forbid something happens to both of you. Who do you want to get the money? If they answer that question, well, my kids, God, that was the closing question. The sale is made right there. 
And those type of questions and setting it up, now this goes back to what we did two weeks ago when we were talking about teeing things up. You know, there isn't anybody on this phone here today that couldn't hit a baseball off of a tee 20 times farther than they could trying to hit a pitch. Because why? You see the ball, you know exactly where it is, you know exactly where you want the bat to connect with it, and you know just exactly how hard you need to swing to get it to do what you want. Sales is the same way. We're teeing it up so that we can hit it out of the park every time. And the key on calls like this is learning how to tee it up. Let me ask you this, Marcia. You made the comment when we were talking about uh, the importance of having a standing lead order. Uh, and for those of you that are new on the call, and we have a bunch of you, you know, the fuel for our engine is not gasoline. You, you know, you, you can have the most expensive car in the world and not have any gas and it's of no value to you because you can't push that sucker very far. So you need fuel. Well, our industry is the same way, and our fuel are leads. Right. And you had said something about the importance of having a standing leader. Would you share a little bit with us about that? Um, for me, having the standing lead order, it's, you know, like it, you wouldn't have a restaurant without having food because you couldn't make meals for people. It's the same thing. We have to have something to go out there so we're not just opening up the phone book and begging for people. We don't want to beg anybody. There are people out there that need us. So if you want to make your business smooth, then give yourself the resources. So you can, is everybody going to say yes? No, that's okay. Get the, get the no's out of the way and move on to your yeses. That's the whole thing. People need the protection. And a no might just be not right now. So don't worry about it. They could have had a bad day. They might have had a great day. But if you have the leads, like a long time ago when I first started, Dick and Connie used to say, it's like a tomato. You don't use the same tomato all year long. You squeeze it, it stays fresh. You, you pick the, the fresh tomatoes. That's how your leads are. If you're retreading the same old ones week after week after week, number one, you're going to get blocked. But number two, aside from getting disheartened, you're going to be ineffective. You need fresh leads. You can mix in some of the old ones, but... Sometimes you have to put those away for a while and then bring them back later or give them to one of your newer agents so that they can cut their teeth on them. It's, it's, you've got to keep that's them fresh if you want to be fresh. That's an interesting point because when you call the same old leads over and over, what do you get? You're going to get a lot more no's because they've heard you, they've, they've put up with you several times, and we almost get to the point that we expect them to say no. And we're kind of shocked if they say yes and want to move forward. But when you get that anticipation of the no, your voice, your body language, and everything about you is conveying to them, I'm expecting a no. Uh, now, you said something there about seasoning the leads that I think is important for everybody to understand. That's another aspect of working leads most people don't understand. If you're doing recruiting, and you're talking to somebody, and uh, they've been in the business for a while, one of the questions I always ask them, have you ever worked leads? And if they have, and most of them have, they'll say, yes. I said, did most of them stink, or were they all good? Well, that's a loaded question, because they're all going to tell you, well, they stink. And the reason they stink is they don't know how to work them. When you get fresh leads in, what you do is you work those leads for a week or two, and then you let them season. 
because, uh, Marcia, you were right. A lot of times we call it the wrong time. You know, they just had a fight. The dog just bit the cat. You know, somebody's at the door. Who knows what? And they will give you that response. And if you call them right back the next week again, a lot of times they're still not in a good mood. You got them at a bad time last time, and they remember. But if you're able to season the leads for two to four weeks after the second week, then when you call back, they've forgotten what kind of mindset or mood they were in the last time you called, and they're much more open to uh, receive what you've got to say. So that's why it's important uh, to have, and the way I always did it, I had a file that was for my fresh leads that came in that were two weeks old or less. Then I had another file for the leads that were two weeks to 30 days old. And then I had another file that were leads that were over 30 days old. And I would go through my freshmen's. When I got finished with those, then I would go through the ones that were over two weeks to 30 days and, and work those. And then if I got through everything, then I would go into those others. Some of those leads were in my file for two or three or four months before they got worked again. Well, they forgot totally who I was, so to a degree it was a nice B lead. And that's a very important part of, of what we do. Um, any particular thing you'd like to share out in closing with us this morning that you feel like you picked up that was beneficial for everybody? Well, this is kind of a – it reiterates what you're talking about. I called someone – that I had visited before, but I they seemed vaguely familiar, but they said, yeah, there was a gal that came out, but she told us that we couldn't afford it. Well, that wasn't the case. My, my computer wouldn't pull up the CVS because it was an Apple product. And so I just said, well, you know what? I'll just take care of that. Don't you worry. So <laughs> I got all their information, and I'm meeting with them today remotely to go over all of it, but they're going to be surprised when I show back up and write them business. <laughs> <laughs> Are you um, going to wear a wig? Uh, I, maybe I'll color my hair a little different. I don't know. They might not remember <laughs> me. But um, anyway, I was just like, oh, golly, I think that was me. So, But the difference was I was because it was – CVS was such a good product for what they were doing, it, it made sense. None of the others could touch it. So I am like a new agent because I've got the right tools in my kit. Exactly. And, well, I want to thank you for one goal meeting, picking up things and sharing with us this morning. And then more importantly, that call that you made, that was so timely. Thank you very much. Thank you. I uh, wanted to go over this morning with you, for those of you that were on Barry's call yesterday, uh, the, and those uh, hopefully everybody was, I think what you witnessed in his call yesterday was inspiration coupled with perspiration. And what he did there yesterday, guys, uh, I mean, if there was no doubt in your, if there was doubt in your mind before, does he believe what we're doing is a good thing? If you listened to that call yesterday, I think you had to agree, yes. You know, this isn't about making money. This isn't about making CEOs necessarily. It's about putting people in a position to win. And one of the things that's a big part of that winning process is gaining momentum because, you know, it's, it takes, you know, a few weeks to get that momentum started. And it's not that Equus wants to end the year with a whole lot more sales. Yes, they do. But what's more important for Barry is for everyone on this call and everyone that was on that call yesterday to end your year well 
for two reasons. One, it gives you the money through the holidays to kind of take a little bit of a breather, but more important, you hit the ground running in January when you start so that you don't waste the first two or three weeks of January wasting basically a third of the first quarter just getting up and going. You know, having that momentum going and learning how to leverage the ecosystem at the end of the year, that gets your mindset right so when January 2nd hits, you're up and ready to go. Go. You know, I love the concept that he was talking about setting realistic goals. You know, we have a tendency when we listen to a lot of the people at Equus to think, oh, I need to set a goal right in, you know, 10 apps a week. Well, that's not realistic, and when we set unrealistic goals, what happens? It's like New Year's resolutions. We set unrealistic goals as New Year's resolutions, and as a result, by the second or third week, about 90% of them are discarded. And that's not the purpose in, in having us do that. You know, for example, you know, if pick something that you can be accountable for and say you've been writing two and a half to three apps a week. All right, then shoot for four. You know, don't shoot for six, as he mentioned yesterday. Now, how do we go from the two and a half to three to get to that four? Well, one of the things we can do is we can get some referrals. You know, um, most of the people we talk to have parents that if mom or dad died, it's going to be the child we're talking to's responsibility for the funeral. And a good question to ask back to what Marcia did on peeling the onion back is say, well, are your parents still living after the sale is made? Yes. Well, God forbid something happens to them. Whose credit card are they going to use or are you going to use for their funeral? Oh, they've already taken care of everything. They've got something. Great. Do you have any idea what company it's with? And the reason I ask, see, guys, listen to that transition phrase, the reason I ask, because that's a transition from one state of mind to another, and you want to keep that moving forward there. The reason I ask, some of the plans out there that seniors have, have uh, acquired, they go away the day the parents turn 80, and some of them they don't pay during the first two years that they pass away. Do you know what plan your parents have got? Well, they've got a mutual of Omaha. Do you have any idea if they bought it through the mail or from an agent? Well, they bought it through the mail. Alert here, anything bought from Mutual of Omaha through the mail is a guaranteed issue. They're not covered for the first, in many cases, if they're under 65, for three years. So, you know, peeling this onion back one step at a time is a big deal. If, on the other hand, They've got one from AARP or Colonial Pen. You should know by now that those plans, the price goes up every five years. It's a five-year banded term. So at 65, 70, 75, at age 80, it goes away. Now, people are living, a lot of people now are living into their early 80s. Can you imagine paying on something 15 or 20 years and you live to be 80 and three days old and you die to find out that they're not paying anything, you know, that gives the industry a bad name. So these are things, these are areas where you can pick up that extra sale each week. Uh, you know, do you have grandchildren? 
Now, I don't say would you like to get insurance for the grandkids. Going back to what Marcia talked about earlier, that question um, about getting your checkbook or what bank you use. You know, I say, if they've got grandchildren, have, have you ever been tempted to buy one of those Gerber plans? And if they say no, and I've had a few people say no, I'm not buying any insurance on my grandkids, you know. But more times than not, every grandparent has been tempted. Well, and here's the transition phrase before they have much of a chance to answer. The reason I ask, we have a program that's basically the same price as Gerber, but the parents get more coverage, but more importantly, it allows the children to get coverage as an adult, even if their health's changed. I remember about three years ago, I was in a house, and somebody beat me there. They had a good plan. I couldn't do anything for them. And I ended up writing five children's apps for the grandkids. And they had Gerber plans. All five kids, excuse me, four of the kids had a Gerber plan. They had a new one. So what we did is we replaced the four Gerber plans with a Mutual of Omaha because it allowed the children to buy insurance as an adult no matter what their health was. So these are just some ways that you can pick up that next sale. Now, what happens when you go from three apps to four apps? Well, now you're one step up higher on the ladder. Now, well, why not try get five? It allows you to grow into something. See, each reach goal allows you to grow to the next level. And as Barry was talking about or implied yesterday, guys, we all started out at the bottom. But the nice thing about the ecosystem is each, each goal we reach allows us to see a little farther up the ladder. You know, I mean, when you look at uh, uh, Jared, Jared was our first seven-figure income earner. Do you think Jared could see having a team as big as he's now doing more in business in a month than Equus was at the end of their first year. Now, you get Jared off to the side. Did he have a hope for that? Yes. Did he have a vision for it? I don't think so. I think he was just trying to survive. But as he grew the team, then he could say, oh, we're doing $200,000 uh, a month. I think we can do three. And just that's, that's the beauty of our industry. That's the beauty of what Equus is. It allows you to grow to whatever level you want. And I don't want anybody on the call to ever forget that. You know, going from one to two sales a week, how do we go about changing this? Well, once we get that second sale in a week, now three looks possible to us. Then five looks within uh, reach. You know, if you get your first recruit, well, and you realize, well, that wasn't so hard. Well, how about getting my third one so I can become sales manager, you know? And then you're on to five, and lo and behold, then you start having these agents starting writing business. And then you get your first – I had a call yesterday, what's, what's an override? You know, this is a new industry to this person. Well, once you get your first override check of $100 in a week, and then you start thinking, boy, wouldn't it be nice if I had three of those? $300 a week. Now, you might say, well, Dick, $300 a week doesn't sound like that big a deal. That's 15000 a year. You know, and then you get up to $500 a week. That's $25,000 a year. And then some of you will move on to $1,000 a week, a part-time job where you're making $1,000 a week in override or $50,000 a year. See, 
the whole purpose and what Barry was talking about yesterday and what I'm talking about today is this allows us to see the world. You know, I think somebody made a comment on a call or a, a post here last week about the air gets a little bit thinner the higher up the ladder you go. It does, but the view gets better and the view gets clearer the higher up the ladder you go. So this is the reason that I feel so strongly about, this is why I love our industry so much because it, it allows you to grow and move up as you go along. I do want to uh, encourage everybody as we close out for the year here today is um, the only person you're destined to become is a person you decide to be. Uh, and that's Ralph Waldorf Waller, Emerson. And, you know, he talks in, uh, in The Slight Edge about trial and error. Uh, Jeff Olson became a beach bum, and then enough was enough. And um, he talks about everything that he learned was all trial and error, and that's part of the reason I love what we do so much because what Marcia shared at the beginning of the call here, and Johnny alluded to too, is this association, guys, it allows you to capitalize on other people's trial and errors. And, you know, the association at meetings is huge. The weekly calls, the nuts and bolts call you're on here today, every one of these is not designed to be earth-shaking. Every one of them is designed in purpose to share with you and that's why we cover such a wide range of topics is everybody's at different levels here. But it allows you to pick up something that will take you to the next level. You know, um, I'm going to encourage everybody to get a copy of Jeff Olson's book, um, The Slight Edge, and read it over the holidays. And, and the reason I said go to the first part of the book about his day of disgust because that I think a lot of people are kind of approaching that or that stage in their career. You know, they're just not really happy where they are. If you are great, you know, if you are great, maybe pick out a different book. But um, you know, there's nobody at Equus that's any better than you are. They just have had more trial and error than they have. So capitalize on their trial and error so you can get where they are faster than it took them to get there. And, um, you know, Jeff Olson made the comment, he left behind the ha uh, land of mediocrity and started inhabiting the world of high achievement. And I say let's do this as a book, as a team. We, when we ended the year last year, and I'm going to close out with this because I think it was important. When we ended the year last year, the goal was to get everybody to read How I Raised Myself from Failure to Success in Selling. Few, if any, did. How do you know that? Because when we started the beginning of 2020, everybody pretty much started with this, pretty much the same mindset, the same attitude, the same level of, of energy as they ended the year. Let's don't do that this year. Let's start this year with a complete different mindset. Now, if we keep eating the same thing we've been eating and expect different results, we're not, we're not going to see any different results. If we keep reading or don't read, we're not going to expect any different results. So let's you can have this book in a couple of days. You can get it at the library if necessary. I recommend owning the book. 
Uh, Marsha was gracious, gracious enough to send me one. I had loaned mine out to somebody because I cared more about them than they did, and then I forgot who I loaned it to. Never got the book back. So I am. that's my goal over the holidays is to go through as much of this book as I can so that I am going to be refreshed, raring to go, and hit the ground running. <laughs> 